In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about God providing for His remnant. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with the University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson on a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing great. Um, it's actually Saturday afternoon. That's right. Uh, this is a new thing for us. We're, we're talking about the sermon before the sermon has been given, but... Uh, and I have a pr- sneak preview on this, and I'll go y- ahead yes and tell you. Do. Yes, you do. This, this actually looks really good. I, I'm not surprised at all. I'm just I'm just telling you that looking over your notes, and I've never seen your notes before. These are well thought through. You're returning to the idea of God's remnant, which is the theme for this year. And, and you talked about how God provides for his remnant. In this sermon, you're using Jacob as a primary example of God's provision. Why do you think Jacob is such a compelling figure, especially for this point? Kenny, I think we could probably do several podcasts just on the the character and the biblical figure of Jacob. And I'm going to preface this by saying, talking about Jacob some 4,000 years after Jacob lived and and going just off of what we have in the biblical text, I certainly don't want to, to besmirch the man's character. He's he's chosen by God. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the, the, the third patriarch of Israel. God deems him worthy to give him a new name, gives him the name of Israel. So that being said, Jacob's no Abraham. <laughs> um, not, not that Abraham doesn't have some some struggles with, with God's provision too. I think we can look at the uh, the episode with um, you know taking Sarah's advice and and uh, having a child with Hagar, having Ishmael, uh, taking things into his own hands when they go down into Egypt and, and being right. worried. But it's almost as if Jacob doesn't realize until the very end that God's the one who's providing for him. So you had this whole thing about, you know, God, even before they're born, the, the younger is going to, you know, be over the the older, or the the older will serve the younger, you know, that, that yeah. idea. And so Jacob is is the, the younger of the twins that are born. And, and through guile and deception, he, he kind of takes everything into his own hands. He sells or gives his brother some stew, but the, the price of that is the birthright. You know, we, we look at Esau and talk about how, what a terrible thing this was for Esau. And granted, that's true. And the biblical text points that out. I don't think that's a, a glowing you know thing for, for Jacob either. You're, you're willing to take advantage of your brother in this way and, and, and say, okay, I'll, you know, here's some stew. Yeah, you can eat. It's going to cost you your birthright. You know, if Kenny, if, if your kids made a similar deal for whatever it is, I'm pretty sure you'd look at them and say, what are you doing? Why, why are you taking advantage of, of, of your younger brother, or your younger sister in that way? So, yeah, they would both get in trouble. I mean, right, right. why are you doing this to your brother? And why are you, why are you falling for this? So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he, he has a terrible relationship with his father-in-law. He, mm-hmm. he runs away. There's this covenant that him and his father-in-law enter into. He's terribly afraid of Esau, and it's in that connection he wrestles with God, and, and we kind of think that that's a turning point, and I think it is to some degree. But even after that, he goes to Shechem, and it's there that this really horrible incident that we won't go into the, into the podcast, you know, this horrible incident with his sons basically murdering all of the male inhabitants of Shechem. Yeah. And Jacob's response after that is, oh, 
now all the people of the land are going to hate us. And, and so we're, we're back to fear. Yeah. Um, he, he's afraid of what the famine's going to do for, you know, his, his, his family. So there, there's all these things and, and God all along the way appearing to Jacob and God mm-hmm. promising blessings to Jacob. And, and Jacob kind of sees those promises coming to, to bear in his life. And yet it's almost as if he doesn't understand that God's providing for him. And, and maybe if he would quiet himself down and reflect and understand God's here. I, I think we see much more of that with Abraham than, than we do than we do with Jacob. So I'm using that because I, I think as much as we talk about our reliance on God and, and as much as we we thank God for all the provisions in his life, yet we too find ourselves, you know, Gas goes up. Oh no, we're you know we're worried. Our uh, you know inflation's up. Oh, we're worried. Uh, political uh, sphere is um, you know in, in, in chaos. Oh, you know what's going to happen to this country? Uh, yeah. War uh, overseas. You know. Oh no, this this is the end. You know the the, the big one's coming. And so we kind of find ourselves in the in the same kind of boat as Jacob in that. There's all these times in our lives where where we're not thinking of the fact that God's still providing. You start off this sermon talking about trusting in God, and, and the the prophecy is that the younger will supplant the older, and Jacob can't trust that, and his mother can't trust that, and he does everything. I mean, he lies. He just lies, flat out lies, several times. You know, whenever I think about Jacob, I always go to to Genesis 47, where Joseph is introducing Jacob to Pharaoh. And it, the, the line is something like, I, I'm, I've lived 130 years. Well, and my, I, my years I'll, I'll pause you here because it's actually yeah. like the, the intro to the sermon that I'm giving tomorrow that oh, really? people will have heard already before they listen to this podcast. So this is kind of a little, little time loop we're doing here or something like that. <laughs> but yes, the line is from Genesis 47 and verse 9, where when Jacob's first presented to Pharaoh, he says, the years of my sojourning are 130, few and unpleasant have been the years of my life. That's it. Well, Josh, that's exactly the point I was going to make. That, that What he does is he summarizes his entire life and, and he says, I haven't lived that long. And and the way I have lived has not been that great, and you know he's not wrong. I mean, and then when his name is changed to Israel, depending on how you want to interpret contending with God, what that right. means, right? I mean, is that is that a compliment or not? I don't think it is. Yeah, you know, you you wonder was that name given with that kind of dual meaning? that we see in the life of Jacob and we see in the life of the nation of Israel, they yeah. were often contending against God. So they're contending with God in that sense. Uh, yeah. And that so they, you know, things don't go so well for them. But if we're the, the new Israel in right. the sense being that we contend, but with God on our side, which of course is something that Jacob had the ability to take advantage of. Israel in the Old Testament had the ability to take advantage of. And so you kind of look at it, it's like, okay, you're going to contend with God one way or the other. You're contending with God on your side or you're contending against God. Which one are you going to take? Yeah. Well, and I hate to belabor this point, but it reminds me of Stephen. In In Stephen's defense, he basically talks about, you know, 
you are just like your fathers. You are just like your fathers. Um, you keep on rejecting what God has given you. I mean, again, it's it's they're contending with God. Israel continues to contend with God, really, at every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about how God provides for Israel, for Jacob specifically. And honestly, when, when we start thinking about being provided for something, we often think about uh, physical things like money or how there's, the sandals did not uh, uh, wear out during the, during the wandering. Uh, but you cautioned that our attitude about being self-sufficient can easily infect our thinking about spiritual matters as well. Uh, unpack that a little bit, Josh. Okay. So I'm going to go to a passage that I don't use in the sermon, and it's a, it's a well-known passage as well. It's the seventh of the seven letters in Revelation mm-hmm. that Jesus gives through John to these seven churches of Asia. And so the final one is is the one to Laodicea. And what we know about that one, what we remember the most is, you know, Laodicea is the church that's lukewarm. They're neither hot nor cold. Uh, and so Jesus says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Now, yeah, we're not going to get into a deep dive into all that means. My understanding is, and a lot of the, the things that are in these letters have, you know, cultural importance for things that were true, that this is not a commentary on it's it's better to be stone cold spiritually than hot, you know, or the, than lukewarm. I don't think that's it. I think he's making a contrast that there's actually there were wonderful cool springs around Laodicea and there were wonderful hot springs. Both of them had a use. Right. Laodicea is lukewarm. They 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 they're not having use. They right. and so that's why Jesus says, I'm ready to spew you out of my mouth. There's no use for you. Now What's significant, though, is what he says after that. So I'm going to pick up here in Revelation 3 and verse 17. He says, Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. And he goes on to say, those whom I love are approved and disciplined, therefore be zealous and repent. Again, he's using some some things that are are significant culturally there, but the point is, Laodicea is not a poor city. It's not a poor church. Mm -hmm. And they view themselves as self-sufficient. We've got everything. And and because of this self-sufficiency... Yeah, they're not serious about putting their faith and trust in God. Um, Kenny, did you ever read any uh, of Ed Harrell's books, the the historical you know look at the churches of Christ? It's okay oh, yeah. if you didn't. Oh, you did. Okay, but it's been a long time. But oh, yeah. Well, same Ed here. Harrell. But what I remember about those, and it's because he he basically I think started this premise with it with a dissertation whenever he was in school. Yeah, but it was this whole idea of of religion in America was very much cut, cut around um, socioeconomic uh, divisions in, in the country. Yeah. And, yeah. and why even churches of Christ are as strong and significant as they are in the areas where they are goes back to that idea of times in which um, 
there was maybe a, a greater dis- discrepancy and disparity between rich and poor in this country mm-hmm. and, and those who went with a, with a much more liberalized view of Christianity as opposed to those who went with a conservative view of Christianity. But it's all, it's all this matter of wealth versus not having wealth. Yeah. And you see that, that idea in the New Testament as well. And so why this is so important is because we, living in America, no matter what our income is, we are wealthy. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest temptations we're, ever, we're always going to have is this gives us the sense that we can control things, and we are in control of things, and we can provide for ourselves. Yeah. And that easily seeps into, okay, you know, I know there's some things that are wrong in my life. I'll, I'll repent of that, yeah. which we're, we're supposed to do. Right. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll holiness is something that that God wants. I'm supposed to be holy as God is holy. Peter says in First Peter chapter one. Well, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to sit down and I'm going to figure out, you know, what does that mean and what is it in my life that that's not holy and I'm going to change that. Not a bad yeah. attitude, right? But ultimately, sanctification, justification, holiness. Is, is something that comes through the provision of God. Yes, we follow. Yes, we're, we're, we're walking in his footsteps, but I'm not yeah. attaining that on my own. And, and, and so I just, I think there is a, a fairly clear line that goes from our self-sufficiency in material things to us thinking we're self-sufficient in spiritual things too. Yeah. Uh, you, you and I have talked about this before though, Josh, we, we're saved by grace. We're not saved because we're good people. We're, we're saved because we trust in God. We, we're saved because we trust well, God will save us. We don't earn it. Uh, that doesn't mean that that allows us to do anything we want to. I think that's the very clear point of Romans. I mean, should we send all the more that grace may abound? No, 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 no. But there's <laughs> our works don't get us in. You have to trust that God is going to save you. I, I, and I think that's what you're saying, isn't it, Josh? Absolutely. What is it that Jesus say, you know, at the end of the day, after after we've done, he says to his apostles, after, you know, after you've done all that I've commanded you, what are we supposed to say? I, I'm nothing but a, I'm, I'm nothing but doing, you know, what a slave is supposed to do. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, you know, the, the irony is <laughs> our, our, our money still says in God we trust. And how many of how many of us truly trust in God? Yeah. I, I, it is an irony for for us in, in this day and age. The thing that takes away our trust from God, as much as anything else, yeah, that's what we've got in God we trust on, which is, I don't know, maybe <laughs> I, I don't have to look into that. Maybe the founding fathers or whoever I don't know if it was Alexander Hamilton that since he was over the treasury, is that in the musical? We could ask somebody. We could ask some of our teen girls. Hey, does I it mention know. why in God we trust is on the money? Uh, I, I I don't know. I I I would say this. I, I I watched a I watched a YouTube video by one of these influencers. Oh, it's been about two months ago. And and one of the things this guy did, and, and it it made a real profound effect on me. It had a profound effect on me. He's a financier. He he his YouTube channel is all about investing. And so what he did was he got out one point seven million dollars, and he said, "I want you to look at this these two stacks of bills. This is one point seven million dollars. This is the average lifetime earning of of an American." And he said, "These two stacks of bills is what most people will pursue for the rest of their lives." These two stacks of bills. 
He said, that's what you're going after. He said, it looks pretty pathetic when you look at two stacks of paper, doesn't it? And, and he, again, that was a very profound point for me because he was trying to make the point that money for him, he was talking about how money is really nothing more than a vehicle to help you get stuff done and, and that you can limit yourself or, or that you can empower yourself. But I just sat there thinking, isn't it silly how we basically spend our lives in pursuit of little pieces, little green pieces of paper. And that's, and you're right. I mean, it, it's the illusion of self-sufficiency. And God has told us over and over again, I'm really all you need. If you would just let go of the other stuff, you will figure out how much you can trust on me. Trust me. Our attention has really been riveted by two things. Number one, the war in Ukraine. Uh, those of us who are, who are fans of history see a lot of, of, of the, the reflections of, of Germany and World War II. And that's been on our minds a lot. You referenced the, the war in Ukraine a couple of times in your sermon. I, I tell you what, I think the other thing that, that where our attention is, is put a lot is that whenever we go to the gas station now, we, we've noticed that it's gone up from 247 to 375 to now, as of last night, it was 430. I think we're all worried. We're all worried about a, a political scene. We're all worried about a financial scene that we just don't have any control over. How can understanding God's provision help us make sense of really all these crazy events that are happening around us. Kenny, I'm glad you, you kind of framed that in the terms of history. Because I, I think some of the things that we're, we're seeing right now are things that if you pay attention to history, these these are things that you wondered, what, what was it like to live in that? Now, Kenny, you're a few years older than me, so you probably have, <laughs> no, not that many, a few right. years. Um but you may have some some memory of the the gas shortage in the seventies. I I wasn't I born yet. I was born in seventy eight. I don't I don't even remember when that came to a head and when that ended. But you know that idea of you know not only gas being expensive, but not even sure if you would be able to get it. You know, so and now you know my generation and, and those younger are like, oh, well that's an actual possibility. We never never envisioned <laughs> that that could be a, a possibility unless you're like one of our members that's driving a Tesla and they're all just laughing at us, but that's fine. <laughs> um, but then the other thing and this one this one really hits home to me and I know it hits home more to to some of our other members who you know as we've mentioned have have hosted uh, young people from the Ukraine have taken a, a very active uh, interest in them. <sighs> I've only been out of the country on about nine occasions, and in all nine times, it's been to Eastern Europe, um, mm-hmm. Russia, and the Ukraine specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, a lot of the the stories have been about this uh, city on the Azovian Sea called Mariupol, and it's I was there three times. Um, first helping to establish a, a little work there, and then going back a couple of more times to. To help the the handful of Christians who were there, um, I've I've walked all those streets. Um, there was there was one night we were coming back from a study, and there's a group of teenagers out in the the city um, square, and they're they're lip syncing, um, and I remember lip syncing and, and and getting a lot of attention. And, and by the way, it was fascinating. You know, as an American in in those places, there there was never any animosity. It was always how great. You know, we we were meeting an American. You know, it was just all all kinds of. So we need to remember that too when we're talking about these things and Russia being the bad guy. You, if you were to meet 
99.999% of Russians, you'd, you'd find things in common. You'd be friends. That's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. true of any, anybody in any country which we have political differences with. That's, that's always true. But, you know, anyway, being, I remember lip syncing, let it be. And Hey Jude, <laughs> I'm not lip syncing, but uh, karaoke. Now, oh Let God. It Be went fine. Hey Jude, you forget. <laughs> you know, that, that song doesn't end so easily. So that, yeah. that one didn't go nearly as well. But remembering that and now seeing the pictures of, of what that city looks like, and, and it's heartbreaking. The I don't know if there are any saints still in Mariupol. I, I don't know what's, you know, what's the outcome there. What's it going to be for them? We would like all of us to to live, you know, if we could say like Jacob, hey, I made it to 130. I don't want to live to 130. I don't know that any of us do. Mm. But, you know, look back and say, you know what? Yeah, it's been some difficult times, but I'm still here. Um, but none of us know that we're going to have that. And, and we don't know that these people we're so concerned about in the Ukraine we don't know if they have tomorrow. We don't know if they have next week or next month. We don't, you know, we don't know that for any of us. Right. But ultimately, and we'll look at that in the sermon tomorrow, when Peter asked the question following the rich young ruler's departure, and he says, look, we've left everything. What, what do we have? Right. And my, the heading in my Bible, by the way, says the reward. And, and part of that is reward. But I don't know that it's necessarily Peter asking about what's our reward. Peter's more, I think, asking, listen, we've left everything. What do we have? What what's being provided for us? Right. And so Jesus talks about, you know, if you left, you know, family or if you left houses, you're going to have many more. But then in the end eternal life. Ultimately, if we can get that idea that of what God's providing for us, yes, he does provide for us here. But he provides eternal life. And so if yeah. things don't go how I want them to here, if 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 we don't have gas, if there's World War III, if there's, you know, all these horrific scenarios that we're worried about, it doesn't change the fact that God's still provided. I, I keep on bringing it back to this, and I don't, it, God's promise is, is that if you will develop a character that he wants, he will be the, the person or the person who loves you for the rest of time and beyond time. And and it's that that relationship, that eternal relationship that that he is promising you, that that you can be with the person, and I realize you you can be with the God who created you and will take care of you forever. Yeah, that's 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 powerful. We can also think of it this way: Jesus in that final week, and he knows his his death is coming. Yeah, but he also knows resurrection, and he 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 says to his followers. I'm going back to the Father. Yeah. And and that's the context of the whole idea when he says, then let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to the Father. Yeah. And, and so I'm making provision for you. Uh, it's, yeah. it's hard for us who know nothing but this physical life, this physical existence. But ultimately, God's provision is about something that's much, much greater. Well, which leads us directly to the very last question, Josh. How does understanding God's provision help you with God's upward calling? I think in so many ways. I think we, we could do a whole dive into what it means for our charity. You know, yes. Our, why can't we give? Why can't we be, give abundantly? Well, uh, I, I, need to, I need to be able to retire. 
and I need to I need to have enough money left over to to make it. You know, with how many every years I'm going to have in retirement. Right. Okay, but but God says we're to be charitable. <laughs> God yeah. says we're we're to, we're to give. Um, so uh, there's all kinds of ways, but ultimately, you know, I'll go right back to what Jesus says. I'm going to the Father. I'm providing. I'm providing a, a, a house for you, a place in my Father's house. And if I'm if I'm conscious of what God is actually providing for me, then all the other um, requirements, the the sacrifices that He may ask, the 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 fact that He asks us every day to place our trust in Him, that's something we ought to be able to do because we have in front of us the fact God provides. Let, let me see if you agree with this as well. I, I think we're all worried about the Ukraine, we should be. I think we're all worried about filling up our cars, we should be. I'm grateful that I have a car to fill up. I'm grateful that there are people that that I care about halfway around the world. I'm grateful there are things that that I have. And I I guess one of the things that I would say is, you know, count the blessings you have and realize that every single blessing we have has a responsibility associated with it. Amen. that that money, all of it, all the relationships, everything has a responsibility. So be grateful. Be thankful. Thank God for the things you got. So Amen. anyway, um, you're going to Gallenberg. I am. I am. So that's that we didn't say this, but that's uh, we're recording this on Saturday. Um, yeah. Now. Jana's family has a cabin up there, which is why we're going. I can I can pay for the gas. I don't have to pay for the cabin, so <laughs> we're, we're still going up. We're gonna have a little R and R in the in the mountains, and uh, and looking forward to that. Well, that sounds great. Are you going to be preaching this Sunday? So on the twentieth, no. JP will be uh, speaking again, and uh, he'll be continuing his series on love from First Corinthians thirteen. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll catch up with you when you get back in town, man. Thanks, Kenny. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org, including the sermon that we discuss in this episode. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.